Welcome to the Off Lead Podcast, presented by Gun Dog Outpost. My name is Tyler Meaden, and I am your host. On this episode, we have Ben Taylor on from B. Taylor Outdoors. Ben is an amateur trainer who's done some pretty cool stuff with his, uh, his first dog, his first gun dog. He also has a five-month-old puppy at home. Uh, and, you know, he has a lot of very unique experiences, uh, but I think there's a lot to be gleaned from them. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, I took some, took some notes, some, some things down. I think you will too. Um, there's also a few key things that Ben does that I know I need to start doing. Uh, so I think you'll, you'll listen and you'll, you'll be able to key on those real, real quick. Uh, those things really helped him succeed, and I think it's going to help me out in the long run as well. Now, before we get into today's episode, we have to first talk about sponsors. First up is Hoist, a.k.a. IV Level Hydration in a Bottle. So guiding season is, well, it's actually here. I had my first guide here um, this week. Um, Hoist is what I was drinking before, during, and after uh, that guide and will be in all subsequent guides. Uh, It is one of three Department of Defense approved electrolyte beverages. So if it's good enough for our troops, it's definitely good enough for you and me, the average Joe dog trainer and hunter. Now, if you'd like to give Hoist a try, head over to drinkhoist.com and use the code GUNDOGOUTPOST, all caps, one word, to get 10% off your order. Second is Dakota 283. So they make some amazing kennels and other dog products. Uh, As a reminder, I have a G3 kennel in the back of my truck. I love how um, easy it is to move around. It's got the built-in handle. Uh, It's got a slammable door. Love that, right? Just whap, it just goes, slams right shut. Uh, That was the wrong sound effect, but you get get the gist of it. Uh, If you wanna learn more about the G3 kennel or any of the other kennels that Dakota 283 has to offer, head over to dakota283.com, check out what's available there. If you're ready to make a purchase, use the code GDO10 to get 10% off your order today. All right, that's it. Let's go ahead and dive on into the episode. All right, Ben, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. And as we get started, why don't you tell everybody a um, little bit about yourself, your name, uh, where you're located, um, what you do for a living? All right. So I'm Ben Taylor, and I'm actually from Augusta, Georgia. If you play golf, then you probably have an idea of where that is. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, um, so actually, I work in nuclear power. I'm in new construction on the only two nuclear nuclear reactors in the country oh, right wow. now, Vogel 3 and 4. Okay. So it's been a very interesting last 10 years of working with that company. I uh, learned a lot, and it's actually quite exciting. Yeah. It's a that's, new adventure every day. I, I bet. Um, that's pretty cool. Um, you were probably the first person I've ever had on here that has worked in that field. So, uh, we're into, we're into uncharted territory. Uh, but, uh, I wanted to ask about that because, uh, clearly you're not a professional dog trainer, which is okay. No, um, I'm not professional <laughs> by any means. Uh, but you also, you, you do dabble in the, in the dog games and do you have a YouTube channel, correct? Yes, I do have a YouTube channel. It is B Taylor Outdoors. 
right. and it's B no, no space Taylor then outdoors. Yep. What um what type of content would people find on on your YouTube channel? They'll find a lot of dog training, uh, some duck hunting and dove hunting, bird hunting basically, mm-hmm. and then a little bit of fishing. I haven't done a lot of fishing lately, but mostly dog training and duck hunting and stuff of that nature. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think I've seen any of your fishing content. I've, I've seen a lot of the stuff, um, on dog training. I think you did something at the grand a few years ago. Um, mm-hmm. so I was in the test dog at the grand. That was a fun experience because you got everybody behind you. Like Chris Aiken is standing right behind you. Chris Jobman, some of these pros that you've heard about. I mean, I'm from Augusta, Georgia. I don't really travel too much for hunt test. Mm-hmm. Like, just don't travel very much. But sitting there on the platform, and then you're like, "Oh crap, that's Chris Aiken." We go to go do the diversion. He's handing me the gun in a popper. So <laughs> that's pretty cool. Uh, so th- that had to be a slightly nerve wracking experience though, standing there with all oh, yeah. those, uh, big, big time pros and really the best, I mean, the best trainers in the country. Oh yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely nerve wracking. Like normally, you know, you're nervous when you walk up to the line at a hunt test, you can, you're a little nervous. Doesn't matter how many times you've done it. You're always nervous, mm-hmm. but actually you're at the biggest like HRC event, your test dog, even though it doesn't really matter, you still want to do good. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're nervous, dog kind of gets a little nervous. And mm-hmm. so it was it was not a pretty test dog, but we got it done. That's I that's all that matters. And I mean, the purpose of the test dog is really to, you know, for for the handlers to see, OK, where the what's going to pop up in this test that, you know, is going to you know, maybe give these dogs some trouble here. So, yeah, um, I'm sure you showed them a few things showed them many things <laughs> <laughs> but if i recall if i recall in that in that um that series the marks were in uh incredibly tight probably the tightest i've ever seen for an hrc test i mean it was they were so it was a it looked like they were about was... 15 yards apart <laughs> so it was a mom and pop the long bird one was dry one was splashing wet and then there was a short bird that was probably about 50 yards. And that was every handler that walked up and saw the test goes, this is the tightest grand test I've ever seen. Because mm-hmm. normally the grand is like spread out and pretty well spread out, well-defined areas of the fall. Even though these marks had well-defined areas, mm-hmm. it was one of the tightest um, grand tests that I think has ever been done. Yeah, it was yeah. it was brutal on a lot of dogs. Yeah. Oh, it would be, it would have been I know it would have been brutal on my dog. <laughs> um, and it's you know for folks that don't run HRC, usually you know the marks are pretty well spread out. You might be you might even have a you know 180 degree swing in there. Um, oh yeah. You know, so seeing this, it was it was it was different, which is why we're why we're uh, spending some time talking about it. So, Ben, your YouTube channel. How long ago did you start it? uh probably about two or three years ago i can't really remember so i started it with a just to get me back into training again because my older dog is like nine and a half Mm -hmm. so we weren't running a lot of tests we were pretty much just hunting and i wasn't doing a huge amount of training Mm -hmm. and so i started the youtube channel on 
um, just to get me back into it because when I first started kind of getting into like the higher end, I guess you could say training, mm -hmm. so like finished work, stuff like that, I would actually go out and video myself on like a GoPro or my cell phone or something like that. And then I would put it on YouTube as an unlisted video. Mm -hmm. So then I could delete it off my phone, but then YouTube would hold on to the video. Mm -hmm. And then I would actually send that to my mentor that was in Louisiana. So I actually never met Kevin in my life. Like still haven't met Kevin, but we still talk all the time. Sure. And um, I would send him the link to the video and then we would sit and watch the video together. And he would tell me what I do wrong, what I did right, mm -hmm. things like that. Sure. And that's one thing I do suggest to just about every amateur trainer is get out there and put your phone out or get a, if you have a GoPro, you can use a GoPro, but phones are probably better than GoPros now. And a cheap tripod and a little cell phone holder that it can hold it horizontal. So then you can see what you're doing as a handler, what you're doing wrong. And you can also sometimes see what the dog is doing. Did they fail it off that hill? Did they, mm -hmm. did they really cheat that bit of cover? Stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing I've always suggested to most amateurs because I go and train by myself a lot. Yes, and same. I'm sure you probably do and a lot yeah. of other amateurs. You get a few hours to go train. And so, or you only have a little bit of time in the afternoon. You can't meet up with everybody. So you mm -hmm. take off, you set up a few wingers, run some marks, pack it up and go home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it, it's really interesting too, because I think, you know, as amateurs, we only have, we only get to put our hands on so many dogs. And so I think there's a lot of times where we don't see things that are happening. Um, you know, things happen fast. And if you have it back on video, you might look back and see what made your dog do something or why he faded this way or went that way or this and that, and gives you the opportunity to play it back and, and to slow it down for yourself too, which is, which is huge. Yeah. Um, you know, cause I make, I make tons of mistakes handling and tests. Like I have a, you know, I, I have a story from a hunt test this year. Um, and there's a pro that I had, I had met, I have had on this podcast and I met him in person and he watched me run the blind. It was a land, um, so land, water, land, water, land. So the bird was on the second point. So you had to go over mm -hmm. one point and the points were from right to left. And every dog was getting up on that first point and then sucking into the right or on the land. It was super muddy running water. So dogs were just gassed from running through that. And then they were yeah. sucking into the land. They didn't want to get back in. And I, um, so I'm like, I'm not going to let my dog go that direction. Right. So what, so I send him a little bit fat out to the tip of this first point, right? And then mm -hmm. and I whistle him and give him, a, give him a right back right up onto it, whistle him right on top of the point. I'm like, okay, right back, another right back straight into it, um, should do it. I give him a right back and he go, he turns and then he starts, I mean, he takes like three steps on the shore, running the shore and I hit the whistle again quick. And then I gave him a, a left angle back, like with a hard, with a hard a vocal back, get mm -hmm. back, back in the water, right to it. And this pro was watching me and he's like, you should have given a left back. He's like, I know it wasn't in line with the bird, but he's like, you gave him a right back and you gave him the opportunity to take the shore. If you give him a left back, he runs out of shore. There's nothing but water there. He has to get in. And I'm like, huh. yeah. 
you know, it just I, there's things I don't see as a handler. Um, yeah. And the well, point of that yeah. is if you have someone watching you, that's who can give you those tips. That's great. If you have it on video, well, you can look back and see it yourself. Yeah. And speaking of that, I mean, I've done that many a times at a, at a test. So probably the very first, actually, it was the first master test I ever ran. I step up the line with Bell, call for the birds, first two go off, and then the flyer goes off, and she breaks. Mm-hmm. So it's lower, yeah, hard verbal, get over here, no, get back here. I can go back and... Um, since she had actually left, they let the honor dog walk off Yep. since he had already sat through everything. So I went and put leash on, sat on the um, honor. Mm-hmm. And when that was done, I walked by and a pro goes, so why'd she break? I said, because she broke. I can't say anything to her as an AKC master yeah. test. Yeah. He goes, were you not watching the dog? I go, I was watching the birds. He goes, yeah, that's where you messed up. You should have been watching your dog and you would have seen that she was about to break. And then if that happens, you can take a step back and basically force her to heal backwards with you mm-hmm. to keep her from breaking. Mm-hmm. I was like, I didn't even ah. see any of that because I was out watching yep. out yonder. Yep. Yep. It's, 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 it's hard. It's, you know, I, uh, and I'm going to ask you about your mentor here because um, I'm reminded of something that, you know, the guy who got me started, I'll call him a mentor here uh, said, you know, Hey, you watch your dog when you're on the line. Don't worry about the birds. It's their job to, to, to figure out or to mark where the birds fall, not yours. Yeah. It's good advice. I have an issue doing that, but um, you know, it's, it's really good advice. So your mentor is from Louisiana. What, Kevin, mm-hmm. is he, is he a professional trainer? No, he's not. He's an amateur. He's run a lot of HRC and AKC, but he runs predominantly field trials. Okay. And he's in with a big amateur group down in Louisiana. Okay. Where I think two or three of them um, have gone to the national amateur. Okay. So I mean, they're his <laughs> amateur group's a pretty pretty strong amateur group. Yeah. So it's, he's someone who's been around dogs and has been training for a long, long time. Yes, he's been doing it. I think for twenty or so years. I think the last time I asked him. Yeah. He's. He's been doing it for a long time. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really hunt anymore. All he does is train dogs. And so that's what Adam met him on a forum, an old uh, duck hunting chat forum. <laughs> Somehow, I mean, mm-hmm. and we just had conversations on like the message board on that. And then yep. one day I was actually running, going to a hunt test, probably the longest hunt test I've ever been to was um, in Fairhope, Alabama. And it was like an eight hour ride. And yep. out of nowhere, I get this phone call. I'm like, who the heck is calling me? I don't recognize this number from Louisiana. Mm-hmm. So I answered it. And he's like, hey, can this is Kevin. I was going to let you know. I may try to come to the hunt test, blah, blah, blah. That's awesome. And we, after that, we had actual phone conversations. So I would, like I said, I would send him the link to the videos that I'd. So if I got done training that afternoon, I'd go and literally just throw it on YouTube. Yep. And then the next day I would send him the link. Mm-hmm. And we would be on the phone watching the video at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I learned a huge amount from doing that on yeah. being a handler. Yeah, I'm sure. You, the, the the importance of having mentors or veterans or other or pros or somebody to help you learn like is just vital if you're gonna if you're gonna do you know dog competitions. Like I, I just can't 
even yeah. if you're just going to train gun dogs and you want to train a better gun dog, it's it, you, you just learn so much from people because they've just seen things that you just don't see as someone with their first dog or even your, maybe your second dog too. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. there's just so much to learn. Um, uh, going back, going back to your YouTube channel. So you started it, uh, to get back into training again. Um, what has it evolved? Has the purpose of it evolved? Like what, what is the goal with it? I think now my goal is to, is more education. So when yeah. I first started, it was a lot of just me going out and training and mm-hmm. there's still a lot of that, Yeah. but I'm trying to get more into, I guess, the educational side of it Sure. Yeah. to help people out like myself and even you where we don't have anybody to train with. So mm-hmm. I do have a couple of videos like, um, how to run a junior and a started test. Mm-hmm. That's probably one of my most popular videos. Yes. And it's, basically just kind of goes over the rules of what started in junior looks like, yep. and then shows you a small little test setup. And I run bell on it, which at the time she's like seven, mm-hmm. but um, it just gives you an idea of what to expect when you go to a test. Yeah. Which, so I'm what, getting more into that now and I'm trying to get into teaching people some like concepts. Cause when I first got into this, I didn't know what a marking concept was. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what a hip pocket was. I didn't know, what a flower pot was, a, a reverse hip pocket, like any of that stuff. I'd just go out and I had wingers. I'd go out and I'd set them up and I'd throw birds. Mm-hmm. Didn't have any clue what I was doing. And then Kevin is the one that taught me about the marking concepts. Yep. And he actually sent me a PDF that I still have today that shows what a hip pocket is. Mm-hmm. Reverse hip pocket, mom and pop, mm-hmm. flower pots, inlines, two down the shore, all kinds of stuff. So, Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying no. to get into more of that now into the into the channel is so then people can see what what a hip pocket is or what yeah. this is. Yeah, absolutely. I think that I think that's I think that's great, and I, I love the the concept of here's what a starter test is, here's what a junior test is, because for for folks who are new to this, you know the the test can be overwhelming, and having an idea of what to expect is is huge. I would recommend. I didn't do this. Um, I did not go and watch a test before I ran one. I just drove up and showed up and ran one. Um, but yeah. I'll recommend doing that. But get, you know. Sometimes yeah. I've talked to people that have, yeah. it's a three or four hour ride yep. to get to a hunt test. Yep. So, and it's, I don't, they may not have a whole weekend to go and drive four hours to go watch a test and then drive home the next day or Bingo. drive home that day. Bingo. So this gives them an opportunity to kind of see it. Plus it gives them the rules and kind of like what I would expect a dog to look like before yep. I signed up. Yep. Yep. Which is, I mean, it's, you know, um, but it's like a cheat sheet, right? This is what to expect. Mm-hmm. Here's what you need to know. Um, you know, I, I, you know, obviously go read the rule book. It's out there. I recommend doing that, but here's, here's like high level concepts things you need to think about where your dog should be. It's perfect. Right. I mean, that's, and that's, you know, as, as, as I look at, you know, thinking of ways to to grow the sport and getting more people into it. Cause I mean, that's, you know, how things survive, uh, you know, having resources out there like that for folks that are getting started is huge because people get started at the junior and the started level. Very, very few people start training their own dog. At least this is my observation and just, and immediately jump to finished or master. It just, you start at a lower level and that's okay. That's good. You learn a lot by by running those lower levels. 
Yeah. Oh no, I agree. That's like my puppy that I have. She's five and a five months old now. Mm -hmm. So she's getting ready for force fetch and collar conditioning and all that stuff. Yep. But she won't run her first test until she's in the spring of next year. Mm -hmm. And she may not even run then, mm -hmm. but she's going to start out at started just to get her feet wet. Yep. I want to be able to see how she's, cause she is a little fireball and wild child. So I want to be able to take her to a started test where I can have some control and be able to <laughs> yes. see I, how she's going to act yeah, at a I, test. Yeah, absolutely. You don't, you don't know how they're going to act in the, in the, uh, in the test environment. Okay. So um, let's talk about your dogs and you've already referenced them a couple of times. So, so Belle is your oldest dog, your first dog. Yes. Okay. How she's old is my she? first one. She's nine and a half. Nine and a half. Okay. Um, and then yeah. tell me about this puppy that you have. Her name is Birdie. Birdie. Okay. Her registered name is Read Between the Lines. Okay. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> People are so creative at naming their dogs. I am uh, uh, terrible at it. But um, my wife and, is the one that came up with Birdie. I'm the one that came up with the registered name. Okay. All right. <laughs> and then she's from, she's from like I said, five months old. She's out of a FC. The, the dad is a FC, almost a AFC, and the mom's HRCH, Master Hunter, okay. with a lot of FCs and AFCs in her pedigree. So she's a little chocolate fireball. Chocolate fireball. Okay. All right. Um, as you hear my dog moving around here behind me, you got to find a new spot yeah. to lay down. Uh, okay. So Belle is the dog that got you started. How do Yes. Like, so you picked her up, you know, nine and a half years ago. Uh, how did you get started into training yourself and, and into hunt tests? Like what, tell me about your journey with her. Okay. So I wanted, I started duck hunting. My dad and I went hunting up on the lake and we shot a couple of birds and we couldn't find them. We couldn't, couldn't do anything. After that, I was like, I'm getting a dog. Mm -hmm. I, I got to get a dog. So I started looking, found one on a local uh, Georgia website. So got her. And when I did, I started looking into, I just started Googling stuff. And then I ran into the Retriever Trainer Forum. Mm -hmm. And then everybody talked about the Bill Hillman video. That was one of the first puppy videos to come out. Mm -hmm. So I started with that and then got with a pro that force fetched and collar conditioned her and talked me into doing my first hunt test. Mm -hmm which was, it was exciting, but it was also when I found out that dogs will be dogs. <laughs> with our first test, we, we failed miserably because she wouldn't come back with the bird. Uh, how, uh, how old was she? Uh, just over a year Okay. when we ran that first test. Okay. So the next day, I let the pro run her because I was like, I'm not wasting any more money. Yep. You run her. She did perfect for him. And then after that, she came home and we started working together a lot more. Yeah. So. If I did have some advice for anybody, it would be if your dog's with a pro and you want to run them at a test, go and train with them as much as freaking possible because that's what happened to me is I would go out like once a week and go and train for a little bit here and there, but it wasn't enough for her to really trust me and actually listen to when I said to do what she needed to do. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. After that, we haven't had any other issues. No, I like mean, that. It's, yeah, it's, you, you know what though, people, every, 
people get freaked out about failing tests. It's okay to fail tests. Oh yeah. I learned more from failing than I did from passing. Bingo. Bob, I could talk for, I could talk for like an hour on that. Um, all right. So you ran your first test with Belle when she was one, you brought her home and then did you, you've, you've taken started, it from there and. Yeah. So she had just gotten out of force fetch. So I started doing um, all the little T and uh, T wide or not wide drill. I'm sorry. T drills and all that stuff. Trying yep. to get her casting good. Yep. And at the time I didn't have any wingers or anything like that. So yep. I would have to go train with somebody mm -hmm. to get on marks. But then I finally bought my own wingers and electronics and stuff like that. So I would, when I come home, I would load up, throw everything in the car or truck and we'd go train. So mm -hmm. we ended up putting her, she's got her, she's a HRCH. Yep. She's got one master pass and she has jammed in the only qualified all age test that we've run so she did that by the time she was four Jeez. okay how did you go from a running a starter test at one to to hrch to running master tests to running uh running a field trial like what you know you i, I think i'm guessing you got the bug after that first hunt test and oh, you're like, yeah. okay, I want to do this. I want to, I want to, no, that's do exactly, this. that's exactly what happened. I mean, I got the bug, I went and spent a pile of money on wingers and <laughs> um, dog boxes and everything else. Like, I mean, I can't tell you how much money I spent in case my wife actually does listen to this. She doesn't need to know how much I spent on dog training stuff. I'm, she already so, knows. But, <laughs> let's, let's be honest. She already knows. <laughs> yeah. So, but I got the bug and I trained a lot and i had a friend of mine that she had a really nice golden that mm -hmm. so we started training a lot together during the summer because all the field trial people in the south they go north during the summer yep so their grounds are open or i was given a key so i could get into the grounds to go train that's so huge. We, would, we would go in and train almost every afternoon we'd get there at seven o'clock in the afternoon and train until nine o'clock at night sweating our butts off Ant bites all over the legs because yep. they don't spray the fields for ants, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Destroyed from bugs, hot and sweaty. And we would just get after it and we trained hard. And I think that's, she was looking at getting into fields or I was the one that talked her into getting into field trials because her golden was, we started off with like some walking singles Yeah. and he was like four months old. And we started out at like 50 yards, mm -hmm. then a hundred then 150 then we got out to like 200 and he was still just stepping on the marks i was like you're running the wrong game you need to get into field trials and That's so crazy. when she started kind of getting into it i kind of started getting into it so we started putting white coats out and sure. started training with training more towards a field trial standard okay was that was that when bell was like two or three she was probably about three i think okay is that after two and a half, you picked three up, years old? After you picked up her finished title? No, we actually. So that fall, we jammed in the queue, got the master pass, and got two HRCHs or two HRC finished passes to get her HRCH. Okay. We did all that in one fall. That's it. Was probably the most overwhelming fall I've ever had because we were in Atlanta and then South Georgia and Lincoln County and everywhere else. Yeah, that's a that is a. That is a, uh, that's a busy, busy, busy fall. 
And uh, what is it, what is a jam in a field trial? It's in a judge's award of merit. Basically it was a, you have completed all four series. So the land, landmarks, land blind, water blind, and then the water marks. You completed those. You weren't good enough though to beat the, the color. So your first, second, third, fourth, mm-hmm. you didn't get any, any of those colors, but they at least give you a greenie for finishing and completing the, the test. Yes. They don't, they don't, ha- those, those don't get handed out that often from my understanding. And I think down here, I could be wrong just based on what we were, the test I was at, but mm-hmm. what I have seen is if you make it through mm-hmm. all four series, which normally there's only five or six dogs that even make it. That's to yeah. the Maybe eight dogs make it to the fourth series. Yep. If basically if you make it and you finish the test, yep. Doesn't matter if you handle or not on any of the marks, you're going to get a green ribbon just sure. because, like you, you at least made it all the way through. Yeah. Yeah. So you get something. Yeah. And what I, I guess what I mean by you know they don't they don't hand that many of those out. It's there's just not many dogs that are getting all the way through because it's you know field trials are designed to show who the best of the best is so yes um no that's that is that is one heck of a fall uh, i mean you're doing you're running master you're running finish test to put a finished title on you're running a field trial did, did you burn out um a little bit i kind of got burnt out on it and then at the time i was i got engaged to my wife mm-hmm. so then oh, we were trying to plan a wedding and all that stuff then when i got when we got married it was um it wasn't too long after that that we started to try to build a house yeah. so when we did that we ended up selling the house that i had mm-hmm. and moving into her parents lake house sure which is a like old traveled trailer that they have expanded a little bit so mm-hmm. It's not very big. So all my training stuff got put up for almost a year yep. because I didn't have anywhere to store it. Yep. So um, pretty much for about a year, year and a half, it was kind of, we didn't do a whole lot of training. So that was, like I said, that's why I got into the YouTube. Just, it gave me something to do. Sure. It gave me a reason to get out and train again and have fun with it. And that's how I ended up getting another puppy. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it it's i mean i i understand like i i get what happens i mean i've burned out before um you know and i don't know my you know my wife and i are expecting our, our second child here um in november and i don't know how i'm gonna train next year i don't know what that's gonna look like um sometimes yeah. sometimes life just hits you in the face um and you know you did all that all of those, those tests, all the testing and competition. And then you got engaged and planned a wedding and sold your house. Like that's a, that's a lot of stuff. And as, as much fun as the dog games are and training and, and all that stuff. Um, unfortunately, it's not our number one priority, unfortunately. Nope. So if I was a pro, it probably would be, but that's true. Neither that's one true. of us are pros. No, that is, that's, that is very, very true. Uh, okay. So so you moved into your, um, your, your in-laws lake house, um, your, yep. your training gear got put up for a year and then you're like, okay, you, you built your house. I assume you moved in and then you got the training itch again. 
Yeah, I did because we have like five and a half acres. Yep. So I was looking in the backyard and I'm like, I could run a keyhole blind through there. I can do this. I can. And I mean, we're kind of out in the country a little bit. Yeah. So we're up closer towards, we're further away from Augusta. We're probably about 35 minutes from sure. actual downtown Augusta. Sure. So I can shoot guns in my backyard, stuff like that. So I was like, I need to get back into training. Plus, Belle had kind of gotten a little chunky from sitting in a dog. She literally lived in the dog box while we were building the house mm-hmm. for nine, ten months almost. Yeah. So other than coming out to get fed and run around a little bit here and there, she didn't get a huge amount of exercise. Yep. So she'd kind of gotten a little chunky. So it was like we need to get back into training, trying to just have fun again. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, wow, what better way to do that than a YouTube channel? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And it's it's been fun, but sometimes I get life gets in the way kind of thing. Yep. And yep. my work schedule sometimes gets crazy, like I was telling you. I mean, I'm working nuclear power, so sometimes we'll be on we'll work six days a week, twelve hours a day. We'll do that for a month or two. And then we'll work shift work like I'm working right now, which actually the shift work gives me a lot more time to train. Mm-hmm. Because Every five weeks, I get seven days off in a row. Yeah. So I can I get a lot more time off working a shift work than I do working a normal work week schedule. Yeah. No, it's it's hard. I mean, it's hard. It's it's the it's the real world. You know, you you train early in the morning or late at night, or you know, you train on your when you have those seven days off, or if you're when you were telling me before we started recording that you work five, five twelves and you get three days off. It's like, well, you hit it really hard on those three days and then it's hard to do much on the other stuff. I mean, it's, yeah, that's, that's, that's the life of an amateur trainer. Yep. And if you don't have anywhere close by to train, then you may be, I'm not sure about you, but like me, a lot of the fields that I normally train in this year, they haven't been cut. Yeah. So I've been trying to, and when I've got a puppy that's five months old, like you can't go and train in a field where the grass is two foot tall. Yep. So I'm trying to go ride around and find public places that I can train to get her on some marks and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to find places to train. I know that's, that's been one of my biggest struggles and, and, and learnings in in this whole journey. Uh, so let's talk about birdie though. So YouTube channel a couple of years ago, doing more work with bell, and then you make the decision that you want to get another dog. It was so my wife and I have had some issues with um, pregnancy, stuff like that. So sure. I've been putting off asking for a puppy for a while. Yeah. And then this year it just kind of worked out that I was like, I just happened to be on the computer looking at pedigrees and this, that, and the other. And my wife came up and goes, you want a puppy? I said, yeah, I, I, I kind of want a puppy. She goes, okay, well, if you want one, go ahead and get it. I was <laughs> like, All right. Well, I'll work overtime so we can, we can get a puppy. And she thought we were getting a nice, cute, cuddly, because Belle is very mellow, like super chill, sure. like loves on you. She's she's like the couch dog lab that you yeah. have or you see where yeah. everybody loves her. She just comes up and just wants to get petted. Birdie, complete opposite. And my wife, she thought she was getting a cute and cuddly one, but she didn't. She got a little fireball. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if she matures at all as she gets a little older. I mean, she's, you know, it sounds like she's a high drive, you know, just. Oh, she's very high drive. She, I think she found a baby bird in a fern and I wasn't home. I was at work and my wife found it with birdie, had the bird in her mouth 
So she had to pull the bird out of Birdie's mouth. <laughs> That's awesome. She was crying and everything else because of the, I think the baby bird was dead. But <laughs> she was she was not happy with Birdie. I was like, she's doing what she was supposed to do. She found the bird. <laughs> right. So uh, so Birdie's, you know, uh, five months old. You mentioned she, you're gonna, she's getting ready for collar conditioning, for force fetch mm-hmm. here. What are your what are your plans with her? What do you what do you want to do with her? Um, I mean, first she's going to be my hunting dog because okay. this is probably Belle's last season. She's yep. like I said, she's nine and a half. She's getting kind of old, getting slow. So predominantly, she's going to be my duck dog. But yep. I plan on trying to get her ready to run some derbies and some mm-hmm. cues, mm-hmm. qualified all age test, and then if that really doesn't work out, which I'm not sore about, then I'm definitely going to be doing a lot of HRCH or getting her finished title and running some master tests and getting her master title. Sure. That's what I plan on doing. Okay. That'll be fun. Um, what, um, what are you going to do differently this time with, with birdie that you, that you, that you didn't do with bell? Um, well, I'm first off, I'm getting her on marks a lot earlier and a lot sooner. Sure. So I'm using, I use wingers for a lot of my marks because yep. I don't have anybody to train with or yep. a lot of people to train with at the yep. time. And um, so I'm going to be doing that. And then also I've got a local pro that just got done. He was working for Mossy Pond Retrievers for a few years. His name's Cody Turner. Yep. And um, he's just down the road from me. So I'm going to be working with him on force fetch and collar conditioning and actually like true getting her well into force fetch and collar conditioning for a field trial standard okay because cody actually used to run all of the derby dogs at the um at mossy pond a few years ago so he has an idea and he knows how to work with these more trial bred or yeah trial bred dogs okay okay she's um she's not as easy and as um like bell's easy to train like she's so willing to please this that and the other where birdie's like she can't do anything unless you have a piece of food in your hand. Mm-hmm. So it's two different types of training and trying to learn how to yeah. deal with, with that. So like you were saying, I mean, the more times you can get your hands on a dog, the better. Yep. So yep. Absolutely. I'm going to have pro help with getting her through what I, cause I want to make sure that she is well forced that very, very well. Cause I have seen dogs that, or hybrid hybrid dogs that aren't they're force fetched but they're not like really really force fetched if that makes sense like Mm -hmm. where they actually got down on the dog and like made sure that they were actually putting a lot of pressure on the dog so they get used to it kind of thing sure and then these dogs just they kind of they have issues later on sure oh you you what you're what you're talking about is really ensuring the foundation is there with birdie right that's got to be 100 100 so that yes. you can actually do the more advanced work because if you if it's not if the foundation isn't there those holes will show up the you know and they'll get bigger and bigger the deeper you get into more advanced training yeah what so you mentioned you're getting birdie on marks a lot earlier why like what what's what's the rationale tell me why is it just because bell didn't get a lot of marks that but it's i'm trying to get into the derbies and cues and stuff and i have i had a dog that was on a pro's truck 
mm-hmm. that was a field trial guy. He was a young derby guy. He's actually he's probably one of the most well known. Jason Baker. Okay. Had him on his truck and just seeing what those dogs could do at such a young age and knowing that if I'm going to be running derbies, I'm going to probably be running derbies against him. I'm going to be running derbies against uh, quite a few guys down here in the South. I mean, Georgia and Texas and South Carolina are probably the two biggest states for, or three biggest states for winter training in the spring and the fall. Yep. So we get everybody down here. Mm Mm-hmm. And we have a ton of field trials, so you're going to be competing against some of the best in the country. Mm-hmm. So, if I want to be successful at derbies, then I got to go ahead and get get her on marks, get her learning these marking concepts, and learning to run past old falls and tight to a gun and sure things like that. Yeah, so I'm doing it now is when she's a puppy, when I can throw them as singles, and yep. she has no earthly idea that that gun station is actually. Mr. Hugh Arthur, he's in, he may he rest in peace. He was actually one that helped me a lot too. He and Al Arthur are the only father son I think that I know of that have won the National Open. Mm-hmm. And so, and during the summer, Mr. Hugh was always down here, so mm-hmm. I would train with him. And he always had a couple of dogs, even though he was quote unquote retired. <laughs> he always had a couple of dogs, of course. And he was out training, and um, he was the one that said when. They're puppies. I like to throw big, not long marks, but I like to throw marks like 30, 40 yards away from the gun. Sure. If you got somebody that can throw a bird or a bumper way far away, he likes to see it that away. And he also likes to start teaching dogs to run past a gun, like tight to a gun or gun station at a puppy because they have no earthly idea what that thing is. Yep. Like that guy's just sitting there or Mm -hmm. winger's just there. So he likes to teach them at a young age just run past it. Mm-hmm. Nothing's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you try to do that with an older dog that has some experience, they've already probably gotten in trouble for getting into the winger station or sure. getting close to the gunner, things like that. So now trying to teach them to run tight to that gun or do this, that, and the other, some of the more technical stuff in a field trial world, mm-hmm. you do it early. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Uh, I it makes a lot of sense to me. I, I get the logic. I mean, it, it fits what you're trying to do. So, um, and I, you know, it sounds like, you know, you have dogs that are much different personality wise, and it's going to change the way that you train. But at the same time, it sounds like your experience with bell and just being in the, the, the dog world, the training world, the competition world has helped shape your plan of attack though, for training, mm-hmm. for training her. Yeah. That's, that was my plan is to, cause like I said, with bell, I had no earthly idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I had a, another dog that I had on Jason's truck that I ended up selling as a started dog, but I learned a lot from training with them and seeing what those dogs are capable of at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm trying to go ahead and get, get the ball rolling before the ball passes me. <laughs> well, hopefully life doesn't, doesn't uh, take over again. Cause that's, that's always the wild card in, in this whole um, thing. Yes, it is. Um, all right. So yeah. Uh, what advice would you give for, for amateur handlers that are on their first or second dog? I mean, you mentioned recording yourself training is, is, is big, right? Um, that's a, that's a big piece. You know, I wrote that down. Um, what, what else? Um, if you're training by yourself, I would get away from, and I think a lot of people say this is get away from throwing 
bumpers or birds off of your side. So where you sit the dog and then you take a step away from them and you just throw it. So now you're looking at a dog that can only run 40 yard marks because that's as far as you can throw a bumper or a bird or whatever. Yep. yep. And um, so either getting wingers or having the buddy out there or kids or whoever, whoever you can get or use to throw stuff out in the field, out to a distance away. Yeah. I think it's going to be the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. And then just, oh, the other, I'm sorry about that. Oh, you're good. Is getting into white coats. And I didn't talk about this, but I did some research on this and talked about it or learned from my mentor. Even if you're running a hunt test dog, get out and put like a white coat either on the winger or have your buddy in a white coat or something like that and have multiple white coats out on the field for your marking concepts or setups. So then you can start training to, I guess you can say it's a field trial standard where they need to stay in front of the gun. So if the bird is thrown, say left or right, then the dog needs to stay on the right side of the gun. Whereas if they backside it, then they're going to get in trouble because normally the way you would set your marks up is a, you know, it's either it's easy to get to, but hard to find or hard to get to, but easy to find. Yep. Yep. So now if you're into like, it's a hard a mark that's hard to get to, normally you have factors in the way. It may be a side hill. It may be wind. It may be cover. It may be water. Now you can, the dog, when you have a white coat in the field and you throw it a direction, now mm-hmm. that dog knows where that bird came from and now you can correct the dog for not taking the correct line and failing to the factors that you set up in your training. Mm-hmm. So that's one big thing I would give to amateurs because I see a lot of people talking, not using white coats to their advantage. Sure. And even handling when you're training for and your old dog is old enough to start running blinds, put that white coat on and start running blinds out to two, 300 yards if you can. Mm-hmm. I mean, run them from one side of the field to the other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's going to help you a lot more when you get into a testing situation. Yeah, no, I mean, it makes, I, I, I think, you know, as you're talking through using, using, um, white coats or just visual markers, right. It's a white visual marker, um, yeah. you know, out in the field, it gives the dog, yeah. as I'm thinking through it, I'm thinking it's giving the dog a clearer picture, right. Um, yes. because they may disappear into a factor, go down into a ditch, into a piece of water, get back up that you know, it's not a camel blind that's sitting there. It's, it is literally white, bright, Mm -hmm. just flashing out there for them. And it may give them the clearer picture. And then, so when you, if they do backside it and you decide that, Hey, you're going to give a correction or you're going to help them get on the proper line. In my head, I'm thinking that it's going to help them. It's going to give them a clearer picture, present a clear picture in their mind. Right. And that's the whole thing yeah. is we need to help them understand if they understand um, what you're asking, what you're trying to do and why you did this or that, why you handled, why you gave a correction. That's, that's the biggest thing. Cause then you can continue to advance your training. That's exactly. And that's what I've learned through because in a field trial, if you backside the gun, normally you're is marked down. Whereas mm-hmm. in a hunt test, you're not marked down, but you're also running 
in a hunt test, if you're running finished or master, you've got three marks out there that are normally not in a very easy spot to get to, or they're not easy to find. Mm -hmm. So you don't need to be wasting time or the dog doesn't need to be wasting time hunting on the backside of the gun, trying to find the bird. Mm -hmm. So if I can teach that dog to get to the area of the fall, put on a good hunt, pick it up and come back as quickly as I can. Mm -hmm. And they're not burning as much memory. Yep. Then it makes it easier for the next two marks or that last mark, stuff like that. Yeah. A hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, and that's, you know, these are, these are some advanced things we're talking about here um, yes, for, for much more are. advanced fans dogs. So, um, but it's good. It's really, really, really good. I think that's a, yeah. Any, any other piece of advice here before we start to wrap things up and, and put a bow on this conversation? Um, that's really what I can think of is for like amateur trainers, like you and I mm -hmm. being able to just video yourself so you can see what you're doing wrong or yep. show it to somebody and they can say, Hey, you did this really, really well, or you screwed this up. Don't do that. And yep. then show you how to do better. Um, putting white coats out in the field or a stick man, some sort. So mm -hmm. you can really start to teach your dog good marking concepts. And then just some wingers instead of having stuff thrown off your side. Yep. Cause I see that so much online with like Instagram or Facebook where people, Oh, look at my dog. He's steady. Yeah. He's steady to a 30 yard bumper. But what happens if you throw a live mallard out there? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's different. It's, it's much, 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 much different. So those are good. I think that's a good way to wrap that up there. Uh, and Ben, but before we go, obviously first time guests always get a session of rapid fire. So I was, I was looking forward to this one. You were looking forward to this one. Okay. That means you, that means you've actually listened to this podcast, which is good. Oh, I listen to your podcast every, every time it comes out. Okay. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, okay. So rapid fire, I've got a list of questions here. Most of these I jotted down ahead of time. Um, for you, I may jot down one or two more based on some of the answers that you gave me here. Um, but first thing that comes to mind when I ask a question, you shout out your answer. Okay. All right. Uh, first one is, what is your lab color of choice? Chocolate. I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. Okay. All I right. I got two chocolates. Two chocolates. Why chocolates? Um, the first bell was chocolate because I thought it was cool because... I didn't see too many chocolates around Sure. and thought it was cool. And then birdie just happened to be oh, out of a litter of blacks, yellows, and chocolates. And okay. my wife thought that chocolate was going to be calmer, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> she wanted a, she wanted a chocolate. She told me my stipulations where it had to be chocolate and it had to be female. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Hey, you know what? When she, when she came up to you and said, yeah, you can get a puppy. You were like, Okay, great. Uh, and when she's yes. put on the, it needs to be female, it needs to be chocolate. You're like, sounds good. That's fine. Exactly. That's fine. Uh, all right. What is your, uh, what is your training shoe of choice? Uh, Crocs. Crocs, my man. There we go. Crocs or muck boots. Depends on what time of the year. Yep. 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 Uh, okay. Uh, which e-collar brand are you loyal to? Uh, right now is dog. Okay. Okay. You're been dog. running dog tread now for a year and a half or so. Okay. You are a dog tread guy. All right. Uh, uh, what kind of dog kennel are you, are you putting your dogs in? Uh, technically I have two different ones. I have a mountaintop custom kennel, two okay. whole dog box. And then okay. I also have a gunner that 
is in the back of the truck during hunting season. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, coffee or monster energy drinks. Are we talking day shift or night shift? Uh, do you tell me. <laughs> Cause in the morning I drink coffee. Okay. But if I'm on night shift driving home is a monster energy. Okay. All right. Uh, what is your post-training beverage of choice? Um, normally water, unless I'm at a hunt test. Okay. If I'm at a hunt test and we're done, then is is a beer. Okay, that's fair. Uh, what type of beer? Uh, cold. Cold. Wet. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> that's the best answer right there. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, have you? Do you have any hunting trips planned for the fall? I do not have any hunting trips planned for this fall. Okay. Okay. What about, what about next year? You got, are you looking forward to anything? Thinking about anything? No, not right off the top of my head. It's, okay. I don't really have any hunting trips planned. Okay. Okay. Right now anyway. So hopefully that'll change, but. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, last one then is what will it take? This is a selfish plug, by the way. What will it take for, uh, me to get into one of your youtube videos what would it take yeah it wouldn't take a whole lot all we got to do is get a video of you doing something oh well i was <laughs> well you're not in georgia i'm up in wisconsin i, I was thinking it would, i'd have to drive about a thousand miles but um <laughs> no there's this thing called dropbox so you can take and oh, yeah. put your video into dropbox yeah. i can pull it out of dropbox and boom there we go no, i'm kidding i'm kidding or google share or something like that i don't i don't want to get on there and, and ruin your channel so um it's good if that's... i haven't ruined it yet then i don't think anybody really can ruin it <laughs> fair uh that's uh, well that's not fair that's that, that's a lie i think i think uh, i think i could ruin it um anyway uh before we go any deeper into that into that uh, rabbit hole there i we're gonna we're gonna put an end to rapid fire here i think that was a, that was a fun little session uh before we go ben though what if people want to follow you if they want to check out your youtube channel um i know you gave it before what is your youtube channel can they are you on any other social media platforms where they can connect with you maybe someone wants to get together and train if they're down in georgia yeah, so that has actually happened. Um, I'm actually going to be training this afternoon with a guy that lives close to me. He found me on Instagram. And it's one second, let me make sure I got this right. It is B Taylor underscore outdoors That's on Instagram. Instagram. Okay. And then the YouTube is B Taylor outdoors. B Taylor does not have a space between the B and the Taylor. Okay. Okay. And if they, and if you find Ben on Instagram, the logo is the same on YouTube. That's the key. Yes, um, <laughs> it is. It's a navy blue dog. Looks like a lab head. Yep. Perfect. Excellent. Um, and I will link both of those in the show notes when this gets published. Uh, that's it though. Ben, uh, thank you. Uh, thank you for your time. I uh, enjoyed the conversation and I'm sure we will stay in touch. All right. Well, I do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. You're welcome. Good conversation. It was. That's it for this week's episode. If you found value in the content or enjoyed the conversation, I have a few favors to ask. First, hit that subscribe button. Second, share this podcast with another gun dog owner. Those two things uh, would mean the world to me and they hopefully won't take you more than 30 seconds. Last thing is if you have another 30 seconds, go ahead and leave a review. 
Your feedback is important and it's what drives this podcast uh, so that I can make changes and improve it going forward.